podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the Blue Room. Everton have another new manager. It is the worst kept secret in football by this point. It is Sean Dyche. Uh, it took a while for it to be announced eventually. Um, some talk on Friday it was going to be there. And we had to wait for the weekend, but it is done now. <laughs> and uh, David, I don't know about you, but when Frank Lampard got sacked roughly a week ago, I know we've been linked with a few different managers and Bielsa was over here for talks, et cetera, et cetera. But I always felt like we'd end up here and, and with Sean Dyche as our manager. Yeah, it feels that way because um, I don't want to do him a disservice almost immediately from how we're talking here because I think we've spoken a lot since we knew it was going to be him, since it was either him or Bielsa, that it would eventually be him, like you say. And it's really easy, I think, to do somebody a disservice when their record with a Premier League club, there's always been a asterisk next to the things that he's done and things like that. But I do feel like it's a, it's a little bit of a difficult thing to say um, as simply as I'd like to, but I think he's the easy option that we've gone for. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm saying it's the worst of the options, absolutely not, given the other names that we've been linked with, given so much um, one way or the other people viewed on the likes of Moyes, um, Pereira, the, the, what we had with all that before um, Lampard came along, all of that sort of thing. Um it may it it has come to me feeling a little bit more comfortable about about getting Sean Dice in. That said, the other side of it is I've actually thought that I think we're pretty much doomed anyway. And bringing in a manager that I think will take a lot of time for Everton to start getting results, whichever way you look at it, because of the squad that we have and the difficulty that it's had anyway. With Frank Lampard getting sacked, they've had a, obviously a big part of of playing that. that we haven't performed whatsoever. And he won three, three games in, what, 18, is it? No, 20 now, isn't it? When it co- when you culminate all of that together with the fact that we've got Sean Dice as manager, this is an essential guy coming in who puts out fires and loves to put up a really organised side that doesn't concede many goals. And that's in inverted commas, given who he managed in Burnley. Will he be saying the same thing about us? I'm not sure, because... I think we both agree that Everton have got a better defensive squad than whatever Burnley ever had. And yes, to praise him, he did well in the amount of goals that they didn't concede. Coming to Everton, no, I think that's a, a much different prospect than the way in which our fans will want us to play a certain way, have always wanted us to play a certain way. I I don't think he fits in immediately, and I think it'll take him personally a bit too long before we're able to get the points we need to stay up. Yeah, I mean, there's a few things there. Maybe, maybe a couple of bits I disagree with, but just and we'll get into that in a bit. But as as a as a fella, Dave, and and, and a personality, um, I don't know if you've, you've seen much of his media stuff in the past. I've, I've listened to the the podcast he did with Jake Humphrey and stuff um, earlier on that that high performance. And mm. I as much as he is painted and put in this box as a a bit of a, an old school dinosaur, and he does, I think he does have some. Um, some methods that I think you could certainly describe as traditional, certainly, um, which may not necessarily be a bad thing for, for this Everton squad, but it, it does seem like there are aspects of him which are quite forward-thinking. I think Natalie Bromley used the word, he's a boardroom, um, takes a boardroom approach at times, which I think is, mm. is, is very true in the way in which he goes about it. And what what, what do you make of him as as a person and a character, and what, what do you think we're going to see from him in that sense? 
he, he seems like a fantastic. Uh, I wouldn't use the the term forward thinking, but then that's not really for me to say. Given what um, what she said the other day when she spoke to you, um, given that she'd seen him a lot more than us, but yeah, he comes across really, really um, against the stereotype that's been put towards him, Matt. And, you know, all of the memes you've seen of him dressed as somebody else of Game of Thrones and his voice and all that stuff. I think that that is very unfair, what people have associated with him and perhaps how Burnley themselves have, have, have played. But he talks a lot of sense. Seems like a very sensible, straightforward guy. Seems like somebody I think many people get used to really, really quickly to work with. I mean, how many different managers do you watch? You you watch for ages on a press conference and talk for over half an hour, and then they come away from it thinking, "Don't really get what he said there." I think he's a very he's very very straightforward in what he says. Um, seems I remember him, the interviews that he's done in the past where he's he always says about himself that he bats a straight line. If you ask him a silly question, then he'll give you a silly answer. That type of thing. It's a little bit like Moyes used to be. Um, going to see him for for, for a few years. He was very much like that. If you were sensible in what you asked him, you did it relatively quickly. He'd he'd sit there and give you an honest answer that essentially you, you were looking for when you asked him a question. I think he's very much along those lines. Um, and <laughs> he seems to have a really good sense of humour as well. When when he, I think one interview that I was watching with him, this come out on Sky where one of the one of the journalists said, "Oh, I think I I, I saw you in the pub the other week, but it weren't you. It was somebody who looked like you." And then he just went off for, for about 10 minutes just talking about how much fun it is to see someone in a boozer or whatever you are that looks like someone you know or looks like somebody who's famous and it isn't actually them. Like, he, he seems to have a really a really good personality that's very much against the stereotypes that are mentioned that have been put against him as a football manager. Yeah, I don't think you'd put him in the same bracket as someone like Allardyce Wood, who is quite dour. And, and down very, very, yeah, yeah. I get by that point. I think many people associate his style of football with someone like Allardyce, but certainly not as a person. Which again, it'd be very easy to say, and quite. Um, you've said that without ever knowing or, or researching what the two people are about, aside from football. Al- Allardyce was well. We we all have our own opinions, and Allardyce and how he is as a person, and and sort of what he was like as a manager. I guess what I'm saying is I wouldn't associate the two things of Allardyce as a person and what you see of him in the media directly to how he is as a footballer because those two are very, very different than what you'd expect. Dice seems, seems very authentic, doesn't he, I think? Yeah, but exactly. You, you, you get that You get that from, you know, again, listen to that podcast. He sort of said that what you see on, on the cameras and in interviews and stuff, going back to what you said there, if you ask a daft question, he'll give you the daft answer. That feels very much what he'd be like behind closed doors and, and and listen I think you know we can sit here and talk about how, how good a fella he is etc cetera, etc cetera. And, that, and that does help of course I think having that personality and that that sort of spark does get people on side but and you want you know, that in the dressing room as well Matt don't you yeah yeah I think I think, I think again people people will sort of know straight away where they stand with him won't they he, he's, yeah. he's not going to come in and you know pussyfoot around is he in regards to what he expects from the players regardless of the situation Everton are in he's going to want standards to be set Mm-hmm. Certainly, in terms of application and punctuality, or all, all those things that are that are away from quality football and technical ability and stuff like that, all those other bits, he's going to set the stand straight away. It's going to be interesting to see 
who lives up to it? And I think the players will be under no illusions very quickly. If they don't live up to those standards, then they're going to be finding themselves mm. out the team regardless. And and that, you know, I'm, I'm ready for that. I don't know about you. I'm, I'm ready <laughs> for every player to be starting at the same point again and having to, to impress a, a new person because they've been, they've been so awful. But um, yeah, yeah, you know, those, those things aside, setting standards, being a nice fella, being engaging, et cetera, et cetera. He has got a brief air of coming in and trying to get a team that's got 15 points for 20 games up the Premier League table. Um, I thought it was interesting what you said about, about Burnley there, Dave, and how you didn't feel as though they were defensively potentially as, as talented or, or as good as, as this Everton group. And I think I think that's interesting because you, you do look at certain aspects of our squad and go, my word, they are they are not Sean Dyche sort of players. <laughs> you know, I think, I think the midfield in particular is going to be interesting. The wide players... Obviously, we've got McNeil there, but he's he's stunk the gaff out since he arrived. Really, we've sold our other winger, uh, one of our other wingers in Anthony Gordon. But do, do you look at the squad that Everton have got and feel as though there are pieces to work with? Because you think of Sean Dice teams down the years, and you go to Tarkovsky, Ben Mee, centre back pair in front of Nick Pope, and they were they were lads who were very much built, you'd say, to play that that style of football. And obviously, we've got one of them now in in James Tarkovsky, but um. Do you look at other bits of the team and think that they're well equipped to play that that sort of style of football that that he is probably going to bring to us? I think I think broadly he he'd be looking at that squad when he was first offered the job and think, you know what, I I think there are enough people here I can get around to what I'd like to see the way I, I want to put everything out there and be a really difficult side to be because I think that'd be the number one thing he'd be considering. Um, like you mentioned there with Tarkovsky, I I think that. He'd be looking at Tarkovsky and Connor Cody, thinking I want to take them two out for tea. Um, See, I don't think the... I don't think Cody will play. Do you not think? Do you think it'd be Godfrey? No. I, I could I could see him playing Godfrey in one of the fullback positions, and then playing Keane next to Tarkovsky. It's a big shout to say that Keane's going to get back involved. I mean, obviously, there's there's the you know everything he's done with him in terms of Burnley. He ended up getting thirty million for him when he came to us and whatnot. I don't see particularly. In, in his early games anyway, because I don't think being playing first-team football for a long time is going to get him back into the squad immediately, or certainly in the first 11 anyway. Um, that that said, I think the other side of that matter as well is he's, he's traditionally a 4-4-2, isn't he? Or a 4-4-1-1, if you look at how he played with with Barnes and um, folks when they when they were at Burnley. It wasn't a, a conventional front two, um, although those two were, but they had like Jay Rodriguez in there as well, didn't he, over the years and things, and Danny Ings as well. The way in which they played with him, there's very much front two, but one drops deep and all that. I think, I mean, would he immediately look at, like that and see the Calvert-Lewin with Mopey just behind them, which is, I think, many fans would laugh at. But well, well Cal- Calvert-Lewin feels ideal if he can stay fit, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah. He does. It feels like if you, you have him. And then, you, like you mentioned, the question you initially asked there without me dancing around it was about the, the wingers in the midfield. I think a four midfield, a flat four midfield, you're looking at Onana and a just a gay in the middle. And then you're looking at McNeil on the left and Gray on the right. Um, whereas I think other people maybe say that Gray State would play as maybe a 10. Um, the, other, the other one to bring in there is a Wolby, how he, how he would play him as well. Would he play him just short of a striker as a 10 as well? I think that's another option for them too. I think he'd like a Wobby as work rate and the things that we've seen that have really impressed us since we all wanted him to go, say, well, as short as 18 months ago ourselves. Um, I think he, 
I think the issue with he's got with it in midfield is I still see a lot of raw raw behaviours from Onana. I think sometimes I look at him and think we've done really well to pay this amount for this lad. He looks like he's going to be top class. And then the games, he has a lot of inconsistencies with him that, that mirrored the rest of the team throughout most of the season. But then I look at him just again, I think oh, he, he, he does look past it to me. I think he's been really poor. The, the mitigating circumstance of that is with having Frank Lampard as the manager and his lack of, of tactics and his know-how of how, how to play a game as a manager. Um, so, you know, it might well do a complete U-turn to what we've seen from him since he came from PSG. But then you look at the core age, then, you know, you give him another clean slate, can he start performing? After all these these ridiculous things we've heard have happened in the changing rooms with him and Lampard and speaking different languages and all that sort of thing. That's the exact type of thing that I think Sean Dyche would not stand for. Um, and and that, what, that is what appeals a lot to different fans and indeed myself when you consider that um, and then the other thing I think is a is a big issue for us Matt it's been one anyway but under Dice, I think it's something that he'll address quite quickly are the full backs because Patterson's out um, and Coleman I think he'll like Coleman initially but I, I'm not too sure how many games he'd get from Coleman consistently getting up to a level that we need him to at a right back and then Michalenko has been one of the others the Feel sorry to say it, but he's he's stunk the place out quite a bit as well. In recent times that I've seen him, yeah, I don't think Dice is going to look at a left back and want him to to bomb on forward like we traditionally like to see at Everton. If he's the left back that gets played, I don't think he'll want him crossing the halfway line. I feel I feel like if you look back at his teams, so go back to like when they first came up and they had Trippier, didn't they? And like yeah. more more recent years, they've had like Matt Loughton and um. Who's the lad who got a left back at the moment? Charlie Taylor. Like it feels like yeah. he always has one full back who can maybe get forward and cross. Mm. And like but yeah, he did none, that none of the... our full backs can't. Can. That's, that's <laughs> the thing. Like, like if you if you well, if you go if you go into Arsenal at the weekend and say you're gonna play, <laughs> there are three options to play. Mm. Are you gonna play Coleman or Godfrey at right back or, or Mikalenko or Godfrey at left back, aren't you? And, and none of them can really get forward and no, if we're being brutally honest, none of them can really kick a ball that well, can they? Like it's it, 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 with, with, with Godfrey again, or the the you know he's he's a fruit machine on wheels, isn't he? Coleman, you've got the experience. Mikalenko is athletic, but is okay defensively, but is awful going forward. Like that feels like a position where I, I mean, I doubt we're going to fill it now with thirty six hours left to go in the window, but certainly that's that's like a big piece missing for me. It, it almost feels like he, he, he's always had one winger in his team, be it McNeil or somebody else who can cross from one side and then a fullback who, who can do it on the other flank. And we haven't really got, we've obviously got McNeil who's, who's not really showing it for us yet, but we haven't really got that fullback who can get crosses in from deep. Um, on either side. Yeah. yeah that, you know, you think, you think to Burnley and like, you know, it was diagonals into the box, wasn't it? And then it'd be Wood or Barnes or, Whoever, Weggles, who'd, who'd be able to knock it down and then he'd go from there. Um, that that fits, you know, having that quality of delivery from out wide feels like we're really, is, is a big piece we're missing at the moment for mm. him. It is, and that, that's why I see, and I hope that he is going to feel quite versatile towards what he has, has actually got to play with right now. And that, like you say, the, the slight, slight different thing is that there's still a few hours left in the transfer. I don't know what Everton are going to be capable of doing right now. Because um, they've had a full week with Kevin Thelwell there as the director of football, who could have brought some players in, but that's sort of by the by, isn't it? If we're going to criticise that, I think it's 
Um, we, we've been banging on about this for quite some time in terms of transfers, but what we do have to work with, um, I I sort of saying this with um, with Robin Les in, in the other podcast the other day about potentially, and it's not something that's been traditional of his um, his management, but playing a five at the back. So then, like I mentioned there with Cody, you didn't think he was going to play him. I think the scope to put Cody Tarkovsky and Godfrey, which we've seen a little bit under under Lampard as a flat as a three central defensive formation, then I think there's not as much of an emphasis on the wing backs that you've got in being there to prioritize defending, if you get what I mean. And that's the other side I want to look at with McNeil. We've seen that as well. Where he does run McNeil, I think there's a lot of criticism that a lot of people, including myself, would throw that way. But but he does get forward and he does track back. I wouldn't mind seeing him in a wing back role if we do if we do play him and he decides to go more defensive than what we expect with a with a four four two. Um and mm. and I you know, Godfrey, like you said, I think that's a perfect, perfect description of him saying that he's a what did you say he was he, a fruit <laughs> machine on wheels. Yeah, absolutely brilliant way to describe him that. Um, you know, to carry on with that uh, analogy, what you said there, I hope we, I hope we press go and we actually draw the jackpot out of it. To be honest, because <laughs> we thought we did that at the start with him, didn't we? In yeah, the early, yeah. early months, and then he sort of flattered to deceive. I think he'd, he'd feel comfortable there because he, 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 the one thing he does do is run for miles, isn't he? You know, he could, he could run a marathon while he's still inside the 90, 90 minute football match. So I wouldn't mind showing it and putting him on one of the flanks, as I think you mentioned a little bit as well. Um, but I, that's why I think going back to what we initially said about the squad that he's got, he'd he'd have looked at that when he's given that list of a squad that we have, and thought, you know what, I think I've got enough to work with it. I think I've got the players that I need. Obviously not perfect, but I'm going to put the squares in the squares in the square rolls and all that that I need to do with this team. Um, I think there's enough there to try and get Everton back into a, a really well-structured side that's going to be difficult to score against. Goal mm-hmm. forward is the other thing that really does concern me about Dice because you, you referenced him getting the, getting da- Calvert-Lewin, who should perform well, should in theory play well under Dice. The, the cross side of it, again, I think it's really simple to say about you want to get McNeil, who's done it before, for his Burnley side, and you've got Gray out there on the other side. I just, I I don't see what we have, and again in terms of the midfield to get that ball out wide and get those crosses in. I think that's something that's going to need major work for, um, because there was that that was sort of non-existent under Lampard, which is why you're seeing Calvert Lewin struggle, even though he was injured as well. Um, I think that that moves a little bit. I think more comfortable to think that if we can do something inside 24, 36 hours, we've got left. He's going to prioritise another forward, I would think. Well, you've got you've got to, haven't you? Like, I think the two the two positions we've got to strengthen are winger and up front. And and there'll be people listening to this going, "Well, we need to strengthen fullbacks, as we've just said, and midfield." And you can't know, look at that till summer. We need we need you know. Let's be realistic here. Like you said, we've got thirty six hours to go. Um, the manager has only just been confirmed. Um, Gordon's transfer fee would have only just hit the the bank account over the weekend. You know, <laughs> we, we've not, we're not going to have time here to to fully address every issue. But I think you're right in in the sense that if Carvalhoon got injured again and missed the next ten games, and we didn't have another centre forward, 
you know what what's what's the point of, of bringing in Sean Dyke? How how is he going to play the, the style of football that has become his, his bread and butter down the years? You're not going to get crosses yeah. out wide and fling them into Neil Mopey, are you? And, and, and no. listen, I know, we, I know we brought back Ella Sims, but he's going to end up back at Sunderland, I think, isn't he? You know, it, it feels like that was a decision that we sort of just made for the for the sake of it, and now he's going to probably end up back out on loan there. So, you know, maybe maybe Sean Dyche wouldn't have got rid of Rondon, Dave, if, if we were. Uh, if, if, we got no, him, if we got him in earlier, as, as tongue in cheek as that is, I I I actually think that's that's true. I I don't think he'd get rid of a second striker who's a big fella who he'd happily just throw into the box and see just cause mayhem towards the end of games where we need a goal to equalise, I need a goal to win. Um, I could definitely see him do that, and I think that's the the rough and tumble that comes with a lot of how he plays football or how he, he wants his team to play football. It, that immediately is to people who think, and again, like I'm referring and criticizing myself here in, in thinking that there's some sort of purity the way in which Everton play. <laughs> it's been a long time before we've been able to say that about our side. Um, but you know, for, for people like me, you probably don't think and go a bit hot headed with it. I start thinking, oh, he's not good enough to manage Everton. Um, and I think you know, everybody has to sort of take a step back and think. Yeah, this is this is what we need right now as horses for courses, and I think Sean Dice is very much that type. That that the style, you know, I I can picture myself at Goodison if Everton are winning games and playing that way, you know, enjoying it. No, but, but no, but the, the, I think the difference on that, though, Matt, is how would you and other fans um, who 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 will prioritise style of play and whatnot and how they want to see football when they pay to go and watch Everton at Goodison. If we win to win, how quickly does that change? And we know, we know our crowd is very much like that, very very quickly. Um, I, I that's what worries me. If, I know we've spoken quite positively about Dice so far in this pod. That's what concerns me about him. That should should he play the way in which he has played, and he's become quite notorious for with Burnley. Bringing that to Everton, how long does that last? If we don't immediately start hitting the road with victories and points. Like any manager, of course. Yeah. It's it. It's one of yeah. I, I think there's an appreciation though, isn't there? But and listen, we we've we've had. Let, let's be brutally honest. The football under Angelotti, apart from the first eight games of that season when we had Rodriguez, the, the football under Angelotti, under um, Benitez, and under Lampard has been horrendous as well. You know, it's 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 not like we've been sat there watching teams playing free-flowing football and get narrowly beating games. You know, it's, it's been crap footy and we've been shite results as well. <laughs> yeah. like it's, it's both boxes. Yeah, it's it's not, it, it, you know, I, I don't think people are going to be looking at this Everton team and going, oh, you know, we might be drawing or scraping 1-0 wins, but the footy was well better under Lampard or Benitez. Because I, I don't think it was. I think it, it's been it's been no. awful for a long time now. And I think it's just, for me, it's just about getting some basics right in there. You know, when... You know, when when we scored that goal against Crystal Palace earlier in the season, and we were able to, you know, we played out from the back, and I think everyone got a bit carried away. That that was that was a total anomaly, wasn't it? You know, this this squad of players is not good enough to play that kind of football on a regular basis and get results. We are going to have to be a bit more direct. We are going to have to make use of the the numerous Grok centre backs we've got and, and make use of our our striker who is clearly flawed and, and fragile, but. When he's at his best, is great in the air and, and can bully defenders. You know, it feels like that's that's just kind of what we're, we're going to have to go to. And like this, I I can picture myself being in in that stadium, and it it really sort of 
getting up for things like Carvet Loom bringing the ball down and, and laying it out wide and getting crosses into the box. You know, for, for players snapping into tackles, for, for people heading crosses away and, and putting the bodies on the line. That they're they're the sort of like the the tropes of a, a great Goodison afternoon and, and evening for me. It's not getting the ball out from the back, splitting the centre halves and playing through midfield. Do you, do you get what I mean? It's like yeah, I think I think there's there's an Everton tradition. Sorry to interrupt you, Matt. Um, the the Everton tradition, and we we had a good discussion about this the other day. The, the sort of doggy wall style that we had under Joe Royal, and and that felt. I, I think for many many people, it'll feel as if that's all Everton are capable of doing to keep us in the Premier League. And I think that's a that's a valid point to make to think that we you know not nobody's under the illusion that we're going to sit there. And play like we did under um, the the early days under Ancelotti and um, Marco Silva, who ironically is absolutely fine with Fulham. Um, the way in which we played with those, uh, they're the ideology that I think many of us have looked at and thought, "I want Everton to be desperately like that. I want to see them play like City do and Arsenal now. That's how I want Everton to play." Back when we initially had, you know, when Barkley come into the team under under uh, Martinez. Those those years, which yes, they've been short and sweet at times, but they've not been the ones that have stuck with us over the years to to sort of keep us in the Premier League first and foremost. What I was referring to when I was t- telling you about fans maybe not giving somebody a length of time that they need to to get us into a situation where you'd see, you know, football dogs of war stuff that we did all get behind back in the nineties. You think back to Allardyce. It was really, really grim. And I just, I I feel like that Dice leans more towards that and obviously in how he prefers to play football. And I think with fans, given the fact that he's a new fella that's come in with a two and a half year contract, there'll be a lot of our fans. And I think it had happened relatively quickly. You'd look at this thinking, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not having this. Or, you know, I'm not, I'm not putting up with this. And I'm not going to get on side. I'm not going to give somebody the patience that we need to, particularly if we stay up. Obviously, needs a fair chance of getting Everton on the the type of road that we need to be on in terms of the new stadium coming and getting us back into the top half of the league, certainly mid-table anyway. He very much will have deserved that if he keeps us up. I think there'll be a lot of fans who think, oh, I can't, I can't stick with this. And, you know, if, if that's any keeping us... The, the patience that our fans have doesn't compare directly to what Dice will either do or earn from the way in which he, he plays with us. Yeah. Um, finally, then, uh, first two games, Arsenal... Let's write them off. Liverpool, write them off. Liverpool. I mean, what are, are they good games for them to have or bad ones, do you think? Because I suppose in some <laughs> senses, you you know, I imagine... Well, Goodison's going to be bounced at the weekend anyway. And, and if we had, like, a relegation... Rival, so to speak, like we have in in some of the subsequent games after those those two, you know, there'll be a lot of expectation straight away that we've got to win this. Um, the, these two are are free hits. I know you say write them off. Um, in some sense, Arsenal are obviously playing out the skin at the moment. Liverpool are a bit all over the show, but it is Everton at Anfield. Um, but I, I think what what they'll do for me, Dave, these two games is they'll they'll give them a good insight into the character of certain players. In the squad, because although we're going to be under pressure in both games and have, have basically not on the ball in either of them, I think it it will expose players who maybe aren't willing to graft, aren't willing to work, um, maybe shirk under the pressure, and and that, that is something that we know he's he's very big on. So maybe it'll give him a 
you know, trying to put a positive spin on this. Maybe I'll give him a good right. insight into the the mentality of certain players and which ones he wants to sort of go to war from him, uh, for him rather in the next few weeks. I think from what you've just said there, I think there's um, there's potential for us to meet in, in common ground there because, I mean, me saying write them off, I mean, that that is... I jumped the gun a little bit by saying that. Certainly with any game of Goodison, we'd all like to think that everyone behind a manager and a, and a team and our 11 that's out there at Goodison should give any any opponent a good match, regardless of who it is, regardless of it was Man City. And today, you know, the modern day Man City is very much Arsenal. Um, you know, I, I I think all of us would walk away thinking if if we if we taken at least a point from that, that would be that would be a huge boost immediately. I think, um, given that who the the opponent is and they've absolutely flown in the league this season, for us to take a point from them would be a would be a huge boost and and something that Dice would take from this and the squad to certainly put certainly certainly have the the tails sort of wagging a bit when we go over to Anfield. Um, I think I think I'm fair to say write that one off is the thing that we could all sort of agree with. And that doesn't mean we'd be going over to Anfield and thinking, oh, this is shite, we need to get off on 17 minutes when we're 4-0 down or anything like that. Because obviously we always go there um, fan-wise and, and, and scream all night and give Everton as much support as we possibly can. That's not going to change, given how we play against them, given how poor they've been. Because um, every time I've watched them, in, in certainly in recent months, certainly before the World Cup, and they've continued it since then. They've looked really, really bad. Um, there's, there's all sorts of different issues they've had, and I think they should look at that, thinking there's plenty of us for it, for us to exploit against these at Anfield. He's got results there, hasn't he, with Burnley as well? I'm sure. Did he get a win under them in recent years away at Anfield too? Yeah, they they, they won, didn't they? They were the first team to beat them at home for something like six years, weren't they, during the yeah. pandemic? Let's hope that rings true again, isn't it? Um, was that game, was that game where he had a big uh, tiff with Klopp, wasn't it, in the tunnel? Oh, he ticks all the boxes for us then, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he gave me almost raving like that when, when uh, Lampard had that with him in the, uh, in the yeah. pandemic. Wasn't he? he had a good scrap with him, so uh, we, we'd like a bit of that. And uh, I don't I don't think he's the type of fella you'd mess with, really, is he? Because he looks like an odd fella who's, uh, who's quite solid himself physically. He was the defender as well. I remember him years ago, early two thousands, mm. was it when he was at Watford? He doesn't take. He doesn't. Uh, he's not. He doesn't take take uh, for for much sort of grief like that too easily, does he? So um, I hope I hope that very much develops in the way of this squad because let's be honest, Matt. As nice as as we want to be about them, which let's face it, they haven't earned that much for a long time. I think he's the exact type of personality that goes in there and and gets the best. As the ones that are able to do their best, and would happily just say to the others, "Listen, I'm not interested in this unless you start hooking up your ideas, and, and then are able to get back in this side." So, um, I, w- I wish him, I wish him all the best as we would anyway, mate. But, um, I, I really hope he gets the patience that he that he should earn, and that we need to give him in order to give give us the best shot of staying in this league because that's what the priority is. Not many people have spoken of it because of the. The drama that goes with getting a new manager in and the board stuff as well, which we've covered to the nth degree in the last few weeks, given what they've done and the owner and all that stuff. Now it's all about the time to get behind the manager. And um, you know, we look aside up until this point that are one of the three favourites to go down. That needs to change really, really quickly. 
yeah, um, we're going to need new players to make sure we do that as well. <laughs> and over the course of the next 36 hours, I'm sure we'll be doing a few other pods, hopefully, with some some names through the door. But um, it doesn't quite week... feel, Matt. It doesn't quite feel like the conventional um, transfer day pods that we've done in the past with Rob and everyone loves it and all that stuff. I don't think tomorrow night's going to be like that, is it? <laughs> well, yeah, it feels like it feels like so much could happen, and also in the same breath, feels like very little could happen, but. Yeah, uh, we will see anyway. Um, but yeah, before we check in, everybody to react to the news of Sean Dice being the new Everton manager, uh, we'll have loads coming up over the next 36 hours or so, like you said, uh, reacting to any signings and then previewing that really interesting game against Arsenal on Saturday, Goodison Park. Uh, but yeah, that's it for now. We'll catch up here again soon. Uh, up Sean Dice's toffees, Sports Social Podcast Network. <laughs> 